Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Welcome to postseason list baseball for the Chicago Cubs 2019. <sighs> it sucks. It really does. I've accepted this fate for a while, but watching October baseball again last night made me really miss the Cubs being in this position, even if it was in the wild card game. And, you know, frankly, if the Cubs snuck into the wild card game, I can't help but feel like they would have lost in a similar fashion that the Brewers did last night. But it would have been nice to at least have a chance. We're going to recap the season. We're going to talk about what went wrong. We're going to be saying goodbye to Joe Madden. We're going to talk about who may be coming in next, what moves are going to be made. We're going to try to cover all the bases with this next hour. Stick with us. We have a lot to talk about. Adam, hi. Hi. How are you feeling? Chipper. Chipper, really? Hey, you know, life goes on, man. Hey, good for you. That's good. Okay. Where do we start? I mean, there's so many places that we can start. I mean, I, I guess we might as well just look at where they finished. They finished third, 84 wins. The first time in several years, they didn't win at least 90 games. The last time that happened was 2014. The last time they missed the playoffs was 2014. Now, 2014 and before, those were rebuilding bad teams. They were never going to the playoffs. But this team was supposed to when the season started. There were concerns about this team, no doubt. But this core, this team, it, we, it, the writing was on the wall for a long time. They weren't going to make it. I still feel gypped. It, it still feels like we should be there. On paper, this is a better team than the Brewers, and this is a better team than a number of teams in the National League. But the reality was, they ended up finishing not even close to the postseason, considering that awful stretch they had in the final two weeks. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean you said it all. I mean, th this team should have made the postseason. They didn't. Um, they went down with a whimper. That was that was the most disappointing part. I mean, we we knew this was going to be a close race from the beginning, and it was. And the Cubs had a chance going into that St. Louis series to make a statement and to get their claw their way back into this. And they went down with a whimper. And then even after that series, things were pretty bleak, and their their chances of making the postseason were were slim, but they weren't mathematically eliminated yet. And so they still needed to win in Pittsburgh, and they just got absolutely smoked by the Pirates in a series that they still needed to try to win. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that was even more disappointing than getting beaten up by the Cardinals because they weren't totally out of the picture yet, and they still rolled over and laid an egg, however you want to put it. That was the most disappointing part to me. Uh, I think this is a season that needs to just be ancient history. I think everybody needs to just forget about this. 
their competitive window should still be open next season. I, I see some people that believe that you know this signals the end uh, of the Cubs' competitive stretch. I disagree. I don't think that they need to start rebuilding. I think that's totally the wrong approach. I think when you when you've got guys like Baez, Bryant, Rizzo, all in the prime of their careers or entering their prime, there, there's no way you can start rebuilding now. I think it would be totally unfair to the fan base, and I think it would be bad business. That being said, they've got some serious holes to fill. They've mm-hmm. got a lot of work to do this offseason. They cannot just stand pat. They can't make minor moves either. No. I think there's a lot of things that need to be done. Uh, and and I think they will. I think that Theo has said as much that they'll compete for a championship next year. Uh, but, you know, they were competing for a championship this year, too. And they really didn't do much of anything last offseason. So that's going to have to change this time around. They're going to have to make some serious moves if they're going to be competitive next year. Well, absolutely. And you mentioned the whole rebuilding thing. They're not going to do it with a TV deal just being put in place. The first year of a TV deal... They're not going to rebuild. That would be a bad business move. Uh, second of all, yeah, this offseason, they're going to have some money to spend. They are probably much more willing to listen to offers. Now, I don't say look at the headlines as saying strongly considering trading this, this, and this, but I think you have to be prepared for a core guy being traded away. And just... Take Theo for what he said. Everything's on the table. Everything should be on the table. Sure. I'm not saying trade everybody away. And I think people need to think really long and hard before you trade away some of your superstars. But you can't eliminate any possibility because you never know what offers you might get. You never know really what the market is going to be until the offseason happens. The biggest free agent on the board this offseason is going to be Garrett Cole. Tell me honestly, do you think they would shell out for Garrett Cole? I I personally don't think their chances of getting Garrett Cole are pretty good. I don't. I don't either, but I think part of that stems from him having played on the Pirates and maybe there's some bad blood there between him and the Cubs. I don't know. I don't think I do, you want to call you for that reason, frankly. I, I, I think the Cubs will try. I'll say that. I, I'm not... I'm not entirely sure that they'll even be in his top 10 choices, but I do believe that the Cubs will try and go after Garrett Cole because, frankly, I don't think they have any other choice. Because, I mean, the, the rotation, that's, that's going to be another huge question mark yes, moving into yes. next season. Yep. You know, not, not just the line. And it, every aspect of the game for the Cubs has been shaky and needs some sort of addressing, but the rotation, that's, that's going to be a big issue, and that's going to be an... I think the most interesting one to see how they address that because it is, it's not easy to find guys who can give you close to 200 innings or even 150 reliable innings. That's, that's really hard to find. Uh, and like you said, Garrett Cole is going to be really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. But again, the Cubs should have some money to spend. That doesn't mean they'll spend it. Uh, I'm still a little perplexed uh, why they didn't spend money last off season uh, when they say they're, you know, record profits and all this, uh, you know, and I, I get it. There's the luxury tax threshold. You don't want to surpass that every year. But I mean, the the consequences for that are 
pretty much they're kind of minimal they're I mean, minimal it's, it's, they're very minimal it's really it's i mean the dodgers don't seem to have a problem with that no, they they no. so i i'm not sure why the cubs should have to worry about that so much but yeah i, I think they need to make a big push for garrett cole um and if that doesn't happen then they're gonna have to go on the trade the trade block probably uh, i mean they'll, they'll, there's gonna be some other guys garrett cole is is obviously he's the superstar Mm-hmm. on the market uh anthony but, rendon's there too but i think he's yeah. gonna resign with the nationals to be honest now, with you if the cubs if the cubs decide to try and trade for a starter that's when things get tricky because the cubs farm system is depleted the well has started to run dry and so if they are going to go that route then they probably are going to have to trade one of their core guys and they're going to have to get yes. some good prospects to flip for a pitcher that's that's really the only way I can see this happening because they just don't have the talent in the farm system to entice teams with top-tier pitchers to trade with them. They just don't. No. No, and you to don't. Be honest, I mean, and to be honest, I mean, we all knew this was going to be the reality anyway. This big core of young guys that the Cubs have, they can't all stay. They can't no. all be here for the bulk of their career for till the end of their career. It's just not going to happen. It's not, it's not realistic. You can't keep them all. And so right now the position the team is in, it would make sense for them to try to flip one of those guys. What scares me, what scares me is that people are going to think that these players are going to bring back more of a return than they actually will. You look at these big blockbuster trades that are made what do you see that's common with a lot of them? Not all of them, but a lot of them. Ace pitchers. That's what brings you these yeah. huge hauls. That's what that's what gets. Yeah, that's what gets big packages. And guess what? The Cubs don't have a tradable ace pitcher. Your best pitcher, Kyle Hendricks, you're not trading him. Uh, no one's going to take the U Darvish contract. I feel much better about U Darvish as a Cub going forward after the way he pitched this season, but he's not going to be traded. You're, you're going to lose Cole Hamels to free agency. And that, you know, at the beginning of the season, I thought they should probably work on an extension, but after the injury, the age getting there, you're going to have to move on. Jose Quintana, that's going to be a team option. I, I think you're going to have to bring him back because you're, you're going to have to replace multiple guys. And look, John Lester, he's going to be the fifth starter next year. That's the reality of it. His age, the miles on that arm, he's basically a five starter now. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not so sure Quintana will be back. Uh, we'll see about that's that. That's a coin flip for me. I think that's a coin flip. I think that for what for what value he brings, I think they could get somebody for cheaper to do about the same thing. Yeah, because I hate to say that, pick- but I think that's the truth. If you do pick up that option, that's about ten million dollars right there. So, yeah, and and really, I think they could, for what he's gonna do, I think they could get somebody for half that, if not less. What's too bad about Quintana is, up until the last month, he was having a very solid season, but boy, oh boy, did you want to talk about falling apart? The last few starts, oh boy, Quintana he really just... fell apart. His entire Cubs tenure, he just wasn't reliable. I mean, he had stretches where he was great, and he had stretches where he was awful, and 
the truth that you never knew which Quintana you were getting on any given night. You never, ever knew. No. And that's a, that's a problem. That To me, that's the kind of guy you move on from if you can. Right. And... <sighs> Which is unfortunate because he was he was so good with the White Sox. Yeah. He was so good with the White Sox, and we really only saw flashes of that with the Cubs. Yeah. We never got that on a consistent basis like he was on the south side, uh, which is really disappointing because I like the guy. I think he, I think he gave all he had. It just didn't work out. It's just one of those things just didn't work out. There are times, because if you look at the numbers in 2017 as a Cub, they're actually pretty dang good. It almost felt like, and again, he had some very good stretches this year, so it's a little more. But there are times when you look back at that deal, and it's almost like, man, that felt like a rental. He only really yeah. was a huge factor in 2017. Again, he looked very good at times this year, but unfortunately, he fell apart when it mattered most. Right. He was he was very all or nothing. Uh, you, right. You just you didn't see too many mediocre passable starts you, you either saw great or god awful yeah you saw three innings six runs or seven innings one run yeah it was that was pretty much either or you never really had any middle ground there right and with john lester i mean there's not really much else to say than he's just he's just old he's old he's got thousands of innings that's, on his arm that's the saddest one yeah he just, he looked like he fell off a cliff this year. There's really no other way to put it for me. Yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, things were trending in the wrong direction towards last year. Even though the the basic numbers last year looked good, you saw the peripherals not look as good. And obviously, that was going to catch up eventually, and it did. Uh, it just, you know, the contract was 100% worth it. We all knew that the back end of this contract wasn't going to necessarily be pretty. It just felt like by this point, we'd be in a better situation pitching wise where him taking himself down a few notches wouldn't have been as big of a deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we said even before the season started that for a pitcher like Lester, if you want to survive, uh, and have a long career pitch deep into your 30s, you need to sort of retool a little bit. I mean, you can't pitch the same way you did when you were 24 years old. And he hasn't. To his credit, he has, I think he has done a good job of changing his game up to last longer in the league. But, you know, you can only you can only do that for so long. Yeah, at you can some, only do so much, especially yeah. now with the balls flying out of the ballpark. At, at, at some point, yeah, at some point you just don't have it anymore. And that's okay. I still think that John Lester is good enough and smart enough uh, to be a sort of back end tier pitcher and starter for the Cubs. Sure. I still believe he could be that guy. I'm not. I'm not totally ruling out uh, the possibility that he could be more than that. That he could be maybe a two or three type guy. I don't see him being an ace again. No. But I do I do still think that he's got enough left in the tank that he could be a reliable starter for this team. Yeah, no, I, he could definitely be effective. I mean, he still had some very good starts throughout the year, but there were just a lot of them that went completely awry. Uh, you're just not going to expect that consistency anymore. And then, I mean, Kyle Hendricks is the one guy I'm really not worried about going forward. 
I no, really have I'm no not either. To. He he gets off to a slow start, and then he figures it out, and he's fine for pretty much the rest of the year. And then I don't see next year going any differently. Yeah. Now, Darvish, he was he was the best pitcher on this whole staff the final far, two months by the far. best. The only thing I worry about is the injury history. But if he's healthy, he showed you what he could do. He had the lowest whip on the team. Do you remember the absurd amount of walks he had early in the season? Yeah. Like, absurd amount. And totally flipped that at the end. Yeah, he finished with a base on ball per nine of 2.8, sub three, after starting with that absurd amount. That tells you a lot. Right yeah. there. Yeah, his his strikeout to walk ratio towards the end of the year was was nuts. It was insane. Mm-hmm. And I to me, I saw a different you Darvish. I saw someone with loads more confidence me too. than he had before then. And I think he's gonna carry that momentum into next year. I yeah. believe that I, I really believe that this whole this nightmare of wondering when you Darvish is gonna look like he did with Texas, I think it's over. I you know, agree. And, and I'm not saying I'm not saying there aren't going to be some pains here and there, but I I do believe you Darvish he looks like he's back to being an ace pitcher. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I think that I think that the way this season went, as frustrating as frustrating as it was, I think that's going to fuel him to be a leader next year. And I I'm confident. I believe in him going into this year. I do too. I've, I think I've the never been as confident right there. in him as I am now. Yeah, I think he's I'm right there. there with you. I'm I think right that, there with you. I think that he needed to just sort of uh, exercise his demons, so to speak, and he did that. Yeah. And he's lo- he looked different afterwards. Ever since that gem in L.A. where he kind of exercised those demons, I I posted a tweet about it before his final start. The numbers are are all star pitcher esque since that since that gem in L.A. He yeah. basically exercised his demons right there. And you saw the stuff get better as the season went on. You saw it. And you saw the number of times he was able to go into the seventh inning. I will say, I do believe, I mean, there's a chance he may not be back next year. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I do think he has a player option, doesn't he? Yeah, but I, I, I don't think he's opting out. I wouldn't think he would. He's he's even said I don't plan on it. I like yeah. Chicago, and why would you? Well, no one's going to pay you more. Let Let's be honest. It, it's it's you know I believe him. I believe him that he that he likes Chicago and likes the team, but he's not going to get as much money if he opts out. He's no, not gonna, he's not no. going to get the even close to the same AAV if he opted out. No, because he's going to be making about twenty two million next year. Yeah. yeah, good luck getting that anywhere else. That's not yeah, good. at this point, he's going to be seen as a risk, a really high risk, high risk, right. high reward guy. So, yeah, I think he'll be here, too. But it should be noted that that possibility is there. So there's a hole for you right there. I mean, we basically just said there's two guys that we absolutely trust right now. That's Darvish and Hendricks. Two out of five is not going to cut it if you want to make a postseason no. run. No. It's also worth noting that you had four or five starters make 30 or 31 starts. Not a single one eclipsed the 180 mark in innings. 
That's concerning too. Yeah. Darvish, you had the early yips, but if he was pitching like the way he was all season in the second half, he would have eclipsed 200. And he was on a pitch count a few times. You could get past that. Kyle Hendricks, he had a number of starts that just went downhill like the snap of a finger. Um, So you're kind of like, well, oh, well. But the other ones, you saw the issues there with Hamels and Quintana and Lester. You're not getting the length out and relying on a shaky bullpen. Uh, it's, it's not a recipe for success. This pitching no. staff is really going to need an overhaul, man. It really is. And, and that that brings you to another point here, too. With so many holes in the rotation going into 2020, this just highlights another problem that the Cubs have had for a while now, and that is the lack of homegrown pitchers. Mm-hmm. You look you look around the league and you see a lot of these teams succeeding, uh, and they have pitchers that they developed in their farm system. The Cubs have had none of those guys. The Cubs no. have not developed a single starting pitcher within their farm system over the past several years, and that's a huge problem. That's something that you have to be able to do as a team because we, we've said it so many times. At some point, you run out of assets to trade for pitchers. And at that point, you're left with your own guys. And if you've got none of those guys, then you're in deep trouble. And that's where the Cubs are at right now. And you look at a team like the Cardinals. The Cardinals have had success developing young pitchers in their own system. And look, look, where they are, look where they are and look where the Cubs are right now. It mm-hmm. makes a big difference. You have to be able to do that. And that's on that's on management. Yeah, that's that's something that's their responsibility to make sure that that's going on. And that has not gone on in Chicago for a long time. Management, development, scouting, all of it's that. It's a huge concern. Yeah, it's a huge concern. At, at some point, I mean, we've we've Cubs fans, we, we've been spoiled the past five years. We have. But at some point, you have to view your farm system as more than just a trade piece to acquire big league talent. At some oh, yeah. point, you have, have, some you have to view it as a developmental stage. It's really not been the case for the Cubs, at least not on the pitching side of things. No. I mean, you see guys every once in a while come up and fill in in a bullpen role, but you, you don't – we've never really seen anybody look so impressive that they, that they solidified a, a long-term spot on the roster – we, We're you, not you looking just for Rowan Wicks. It. We're looking for starters. Right. I mean, and even on the bullpen side of things, you haven't really seen anybody who's impressed you to the point where you think, okay, this guy's going to be a Cub for a while. The closest thing that I've seen is Rowan Wick, but we'll see if that's legit or a flash in the pan next year. We don't know. Yeah, the jury's still out on that one, but he, he does look good. Let's go. Let's go to the position players because i think the oddest thing of all is despite all the disappointments of this season the core position players the core that this was built around all had very good years anthony rizzo had an anthony rizzo year honestly his i he had one of the best years at the plate he's had in a while a few oh, yeah. years oh yeah overall wilson contreras that's a career year, career high home runs. That's a major OPS bounce back year. Huge. Yeah, I, I, I just wish it wouldn't have been slightly marred by injuries because I think he, he could have 
had an even more impressive slash line had he not been sidelined for such a long time. He could have flirted with 30 home runs. Oh, absolutely. Had he not missed all that time. Easily. Chris Bryant. Highest F4 on the team. Batted 282, 382, 521, OPS of over 900. Yeah, 31 home runs. Going to take that. And Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber ended with a 250, 339, 531, 871 slash with 38 home runs. Kyle if Schwarber would, was a monster the last couple months of the season. He was. And if you would have told me that that was going to be his final batting stat line to start the season, I would have said, heck yes, that's the guy we've been waiting for. Oh, yeah. The question is, is can he be that guy consistently? Can can he put up those kinds of numbers throughout the year instead of turning the Jets on at the end? Well, I like to think he can. I really do. Now, people talk about Kyle Schwarber as a trade piece. He is very valuable to this team. He's very valuable to this team. But what value will he garner in a trade? I just, I think it would be less than people think. Is there really a big market for a Kyle Schwarber? Of course, a hypothetical AL team would like him. Of course, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But who's, is there going to be a team? that is going to be going around looking for a 40 home run slugger like Kyle Schwarber. I'm sure a team would want him, but what are they willing to give? What level of need is it going to be? You got to remember, it takes two to tango with these types of trades. You can't just say, oh, I want all the world for this one asset. There's got to be someone out there willing to pay it. What are people's uh, perceived value of Kyle Schwarber right now I I am open to it because you know I agree I think people overestimate Kyle Schwarber's value Uh, that being said I think his value is higher than it's been in quite a while for Kyle Schwarber so if you are open to the possibility of trading him there's never been a better time than right now Uh, obviously excluding when he was a rookie but you know, you can't keep everyone, and I think of these core guys, I think Schwarber is is one of those guys that you, you can most afford to let go. I highly disagree with the notion of trading Chris Bryant. I think that is a totally foolish idea. I, I mean, look at the Brewers. Look what happened to the Brewers. They thought they were getting a top-tier prospect for Christian Yelich, and it didn't work out. He's been terrible. And that's, you know... There's no guarantee the same thing wouldn't happen with Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant is a sure thing. It's a massive really, risk. You really want to trade a sure thing for somebody who's a question mark? I mean, you these, better be darn these sure you're getting prospects, what you think you're These top-tier prospects, there's no guarantees with them. None whatsoever. No. And Chris, you know, you know exactly what you're going to get from Chris Bryant every single year. And that's MVP caliber numbers. It's easier to do if you're so, saying we're going to hit the rebuild button, but that's not the case here. Yeah, and it, nor should it be. So that would be, you know, if, if teams want to inquire on Bryant, then sure, what the hell, listen and see what they see what they're willing to offer. But I, I damn sure wouldn't actually be trading him. I think that would be totally unwise. 
Yeah, it would be a massive, massive risk. Uh, somebody brought up trading Wilson Contreras and going after Yasmani Grandal. Now, mm. Yasmani Grandal has a lot of pop. Yasmani Grandal oh. is one of the elite framers in the game. I like Yasmani Grandal. Unless maybe what you would look at as you try to trade a guy like Vic Caratini, you sign Grandal and you kind of make Contreras and Grandal a two-headed monster. But at the same time, you'd probably want Wilson Contreras playing more often than not. I, I get there's a concern about injury with Wilson Contreras, but I also feel like there's going to be a day where Wilson Contreras is going to be just as valuable of a bat while maybe being an outfielder or a first baseman. Yeah, just the fact that you can kind of you can flex Wilson Contreras, move him around the diamond a little bit. I mean, that in itself is a pretty valuable thing to have. Uh, I mean, and we saw it this year with the Cubs that they they needed to use him uh, that way. Uh, Caratini too. I'd be open to it. That's Contreras is another guy I would be open to trading. Uh, really, the only two guys that I I would be hesitant to trade would be Bryant and Rizzo. There is no way. Really, Heck, they're trading Rizzo. No, no, no. Zero I, chance. I, I would like to think that the same could be said of Bryant. I'm not so sure. Mm, uh, yeah. I hope they don't. Those are the two guys that I, I would say uh, would be untouchable for me. Everyone else, I think you could take a long, hard look at and, and see what you could get for them. Uh, Contreras, I see Contreras... Uh, as having the potential to be a long-term guy in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would like him to be, I'm, I'm just not sure what they would get back for Contreras. Yeah. I mean, it depends. It depends on what, what holes it could fill. Yeah, exactly. Because, who needs, who needs a catcher who's willing to pay up for a slugging catcher? Well, I mean, and, and that's, that's, that's hard to find. And the I mean, thing with, is with, you're going to have Yasmani Grandal as a free agent anyway. The thing, the thing is, is I, I think the injury history probably drops his value a little bit. Sure. I don't think you could get as much for him as you could a couple years ago, but it is hard to find uh, a really good hitting catcher. I mean, with, with starting catchers, you, you make the sacrifice at the plate to get good defense. And to find, to find it on both sides of the ball, that's, that's hard to find. So there is some value there. There is some serious value there. I think it would be worth it uh, to listen to teams if they were interested in Contreras. But he's another guy that if they could get away with keeping him, I would do it. And that's Contreras is one of those young guys that I would like to see them extend at some point. Oh, yeah. Those are all good points. Here's a few guys I'm going to rattle off just looking at the roster right now. And now this, this does not necessarily mean... They'd be traded for young assets or be the centerpiece of a deal, but maybe part of a deal. Here's a few guys I have in mind. First of all, I think David Bodie is a candidate to be included in a deal. Okay. I think Ian Happ might be a candidate. He's really built some value the past few weeks of the season, but I don't think he's still alone going to garner you anything huge. Uh, but I think a, a team looking to kind of retool a bit, maybe more of a rebuild than a retool, maybe interested in a guy like him. Um, 
the other guy, I don't want to get rid of him because I like him, but I can I can see it. But I also could also not see it happening just because of the money he's making. But would you think it would be at all possible that the Cubs really try to shop Jason Hayward just to clear some of that salary away? You're oh, clearly sure. not going to clear all of it, but to just eat a chunk of it. Absolutely. Absolutely, I would be open to that. And listen, I I like Jason Hayward. I respect the efforts he's made. Uh, and I feel bad that things haven't gone the way we expected them to when he initially signed with Chicago. But if they could dump a portion of that salary for him and get some some solid pieces in return, absolutely I'd be open to that. Uh, same with Hap and Bodie. If they could get like a four or five tier starter uh, for a package around Bodie or Hap, I would do that in a heartbeat or even a proven reliable bullpen piece. I'd do that too. To me, I mean, to me, there's there's absolutely no question about it that Hap and Bodie, they're 100% expendable. Mm-hmm. I mean, because for the for the roles that they fill on this team, you can go out and you can find that somewhere else. So they're they're not they're not uh, I mean they're expendable. There's no doubt in my mind. Here's a guy that I would absolutely be willing to trade, and this will be controversial. Javier Baez. I would seriously consider trading Javier Baez, uh, and I hope people don't take this the wrong way. I love Javi Baez. I think he's hands down the most exciting player to watch in baseball. Uh, he's one of the most fun players in baseball. But you look at the core hitters that the Cubs have, and as we've mentioned before, you can't keep them all. Some of them are going to have to go. It's not realistic to extend all of them. Javier Baez could get you a haul, I think. And what concerns me with Baez is his endurance in the long term. Javier Baez's play style scares me a little bit, just in that he's he's a little more injury-prone the way he plays, and I think he's going to fall off quicker than other superstars in the league. He plays so hard and so fast that I, I just have to wonder if he can keep that up, if he can keep that pace up when he gets into his late 20s, into his early 30s. I just don't think he can be the same guy that he is right now. But I think you could get an awful lot for Javier Baez. And so if it was me, I would seriously consider what you could get for him. I get your point. I hear what you're saying. I think the chances of Baez getting traded are... Maybe zero point zero 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 one percent. Oh, I disagree. And that even might be high. I disagree. I, I don't disagree think there's a way that. in heck they're trading. No, they're not trading him. No way. No way. I don't see it. I don't know. I'm not so sure. Do you really think they're going to trade him? I don't. I don't necessarily think they will. I think that they'll look at it. I think they should look at it. Well, they'll they'll technically look at everybody. I just don't see it happen. Look look at the look at their core. I think that if if you if you traded somebody like Bias, you've still got enough power in your lineup to get by. <sighs> but mean, you're creating you're you, creating more holes though. Would you rather would you rather would you rather trade Brian than Bias? 
Well, which, I mean, you're going to have to look at who's going to get back more for you and who's going to be more likely to sign the extension. That's the other thing. I think you'd get a lot for Javier Baez. I think you'd get an awful lot. But what if Brian isn't going to... Ex- but if Brian doesn't sign an extension, you could lose him and Baez in two years. Well, obviously, yeah, that is contingent on on whether you think you, you are going to extend some of these guys. Because if they extend uh, Baez, then the chances of him trading are absolute zero. Well, yeah. All I'm saying is that I, I think that they should take it seriously, that possibility. I don't think Baez should be off limits. With all the holes that this team has, I think you could fill some of them trading a guy like that. <sighs> I, I just... I I think once you, once you can get past kind of the emotional attachment that we have to some of these guys, I think it's worth considering. See, I, I think you can make an argument for a good number of these guys, but when it comes to Rizzo and Baez, it really is, that really is a tough sell for me. Because here's the thing with Chris Bryant. I keep saying, you better be careful, you better be careful, you better be careful about what you think about Chris Bryant. But if he is going to be a free agent in two years, and he is going to demand, with Scott Boris as his agent, an absurd amount of money, then would well, you really risk trading Baez and then risk losing Bryant as well in two years? Well, at some point, you're going to have to take some risks. Right. I mean, that's, but... that's inevitable. All I'm saying is that long-term, I like Bryant's future a little more than Baez's. And that's that's not me saying that I think Baez is going to fall off a cliff. I just think that there's a higher risk there with Baez. Here's I think my his, concern. His, I just with... think with his play style, that's going to be harder to keep repeating. But here's my concern with Bryant, though. To be completely honest with you, he's had now an ankle injury. He's mm-hmm. had knee problems. He's had shoulder problems. He's been hit in the head. Bryant's been kind of been beaten up the past few years. Yeah. That worries me, too. Yeah, yeah, same here. I, I think that, uh, obviously, you have to take into account the injuries. I agree with that. But I also, I also don't think you, you can let those scare you too much. I don't think it, it I think it's overstated. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because I think if you ask the majority of the fan base right now, you don't, we'd extend Chris Bryant in a heartbeat right now if we could, right? I don't know. There's a big chunk of the fan base that is not exactly the biggest Chris Bryant fan these well, days. Well, they're dumb. If you I, don't, ex- I don't if get you could, it either. If the you whole could extend, clutch thing. If you could extend Chris Bryant right now for $250 million or whatever, maybe a little more, I, you'd do it. Of course. You'd do it. I think, he, I think you'd be dumb not to. Of course you'd do it. And look, if they could extend Bryant and Rizzo and Baez, and can, if they could extend all of those guys, then absolutely I would do it. But that's not in the cards. You, you, they no. can't do that. And so they, they do have to seriously consider trading some of them. I mean, to me, I mean, you talk about risk of somebody not extending and after, after you trade somebody, to me... The bigger risk is is seeing them all walk and getting nothing for them. Well, I would, yeah, I mean that's I that's gonna be why see... one of them is gonna be traded, one of them is gonna be extended. 
Yeah, I mean, people, you, we have these emotional attachments to these players right now, and I get it. But you're gonna you're gonna look back and wonder what could have been, what the team could be in the future if you had traded one of them. I would just hate to see a guy like Javier Baez reach free agency and walk and the Cubs get nothing. They don't get Javi Baez back and they got no talent in return for him. That is what I'm scared of. That's what I'm scared of with Bryant because of who his agent is. And it's pretty clear his agent has zero interest in extending right now. And Bryant is is not the guy who's going to take charge of anything. It's pretty clear Bryant is going to sit back and let his agent do the talking. That's the vibe I get. That's what scares me about Bryant. I think he is more likely to walk than Baez. I think Baez, I'm actually pretty optimistic he will get extended, if you want me to be honest. I don't have any confidence that Bryant is going to get extended, at least not now. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little iffy on that too, but I, I think I'm slightly more optimistic about extending Bryant than you are, I think. That's fair. I just you know, for right all now the, see it for all the perceived tension, you know, about how he came into the big leagues and who his agent is. I do think Bryant likes Chicago. I think he likes his teammates. I think he likes being there, hitting at Wrigley. Uh, and so, I mean, it, it's it's not going to be all Boris, obviously, but I I think Bryant likes Chicago enough that he'd be willing to extend. I think it, it's gonna it's gonna cost a lot of money. Uh, but I I do even think that he would take slightly less from Chicago than he could get other places to stay. I believe that. Maybe that's foolish for me to think that, but I think he would. Um, yeah, see, I'm not as sure. I think he likes just, it here too, but... I just don't see him jumping ship to like the Yankees or the Red Sox for just a little more than what the Cubs are willing to offer. But having said that, See, the, Cubs, the Cubs the Cubs should be in a position where they should be able to match offers from teams like that. Yeah, and I mean, in two years, Lester's going to be gone. You're still going to have Hayward. You're still going to have Darvish, but you're going to have other contracts off the books, obviously, but you're going to have new contracts on the books. It'll be interesting to see what it looks like two years from now. Um, you know, you look at the guys you can extend – it's going to the, the two guys that are going to be extended or traded. I think it's really down to to Baez and Bryant because Anthony Rizzo, as much as I want him to be around, he is older and he does have a weaker back. And I just can't help but wonder if by the time his time with the Cubs is up is the either resign him to a smaller deal or he'll go elsewhere and be a DH just because his back continues to deteriorate. That's kind of my personal opinion on it. So that's kind of where I see it. But we'll see what happens. Um, just to kind of keep this going along, we've been on this subject a while. Look, this team had one of the worst road records in the league. They had... The most outs on the bases, I saw a stat for that. And they were among tops in errors. Can you guess how many errors they had? I already know. I already know the answer to that. Well, for our listeners, 117. And there was only one other team in baseball, or at least in the National League, that made more errors. In baseball, you're right, in baseball. 
in baseball. Okay, because this just says NL teams. So, okay, there you go. It's even worse. It's even worse. This team that was so unbelievably fundamentally sound in 2016, that was historically good at defense, that has been consistently good at base running, was terrible at base running. They had no instincts on the bases. It didn't help that there weren't a lot of speedy guys, but the instincts themselves were just poor. And the fielding, just where did it all go? What happened? Well, and I, I guess that kind of segues us into the manager conversation because the errors thing, that part of that falls on the shoulders of the manager. Sure. I mean, he obviously Joe Madden can't go out there and play defense for him. But it is the manager's job to make sure that the team is focused enough and in the right mindset that those kinds of things aren't happening. Especially when we've seen that this team is capable of being an elite defensive team. And so God only knows why that changed so much this year. But that is a huge concern. And yeah, the Cubs the Cubs were one of the worst defensive teams in baseball. And and not even just the errors, but the errors on the base paths too. The base mm-hmm. running mistakes. That's another thing that you that just should not be happening no. on a postseason caliber team. That's something no. you can't have. And that's another aspect of the game that, that partly falls on the manager. Right. And the coaching staff in general, just across the board. Yeah. Yeah. yeah David Bodie really took a step back with the glove this year. So did Chris he Bryant. Did. So did Contreras. Yeah. Just not good. And Addison Russell, I mean, Addison Russell was just terrible across the board this year in many ways. I mean, Addison Russell, six errors in 80 games and just complete lack of awareness out there, not knowing the signs. Anthony Rizzo is still a very good first baseman. We saw... N- not as good play, but part of me thinks that's just because his back is going. He's just not as quick to the ball. But you're just seeing a lot of routine errors. Look at look at Ben Zobrist. When Ben Zobrist came back, he was great at the plate. Like, you couldn't have asked for more. But unfortunately, those awful throwing errors cost the Cubs several games. Yeah. Not to dog on Zobrist because, again, he was really nice to have back at the dish. But... You remember in San Diego when things really started falling apart for this Cub team, multiple times he threw the ball into the left field, and one of them led to three runs scoring. That kind of stuff happened all the time this year. It's not good. And and I don't know why. That's the that's what's so head scratching. Yeah. Because we know we know this team is capable of more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it really is a mystery to me how they fell so hard. I, I just I I'm at a lo- I'm at a loss with that one. I'm at and a complete it's, loss. It's it's hard for me to blame Joe Madden for the it's I you know, I hate to sound like I'm piling on him because at the end of the day I have the utmost respect for Joe Madden and what he did over his Cubs tenure. We I'm always should. I'm always gonna love and respect that man for what he did. He I mean he helped he helped Chicago do something that I didn't think they would ever do in my lifetime. I, there was a point before 2016 where I genuinely believed I would never see the Cubs win the World Series. Me too. Ever. Me too. And so if you're if you're going to be heaping criticism on him for everything that goes wrong, you have to also be willing to give him some credit for everything that went right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we started start at the beginning. 
Cubs making the postseason in 2015, they weren't supposed to make the postseason that year. They were no. a year ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. You got to give some credit to Joe Madden for that, for being able to help guide those young players. I mean, it, he think about the how you, think about how young a lot of these guys were at that point. I mean, they mm-hmm. they were they were practically just rookies. Yeah, some of them some of them were, and then taking them to the World Series in 2016, something a lot of us thought we'd never see. Uh, there's there's a lot of good things to be said of Joe Madden over his Cubs career. And, you know, for all the frustrations this year and last year, I think that he should be, as Theo said, revered. Always. And for, He's going to be a legend in this town forever, as he should yeah, be. As far as I'm concerned, build a statue and put it put a statue of him out at, at Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. I mean, come I'm on. With that. More no other manager cent- comes than, close to him. More than a century since they did it. You, you got to honor him in some way, some lasting way like that, I think. Of course you do. I'd be down for a statue or, or something. I mean, yeah. he's the best manager they've had in our lifetime, in my dad's lifetime, and in my grandpa's lifetime. Right. I mean, and, and what hurts so much about this, really, beyond the baseball thing, is that Joe, I think Joe Madden was a really good man. I mean, mm-hmm. it's for, all, for all of our, our frustrations and his quirks and, and all of our hang-ups with how he managed some games this year, Joe Madden is a really good man, and just for that reason alone, I will miss him on the Chicago Cubs because Me I think too. he handled situations gracefully. I think he was great with the media. I, I, from what it sounds like, the players really liked him a lot. They had uh, nothing but amazing things to say about him. That should tell you a lot. Yeah, I have some gripes with the way he handled some situations in games, but beyond that, I think he's a really great guy, and I think he deserves all the praise in the world for, for what he accomplished his total body of work in Chicago. I will miss him. I wish him the best. It is going to hurt my feelings a little bit if I see him win a World Series with another team, but I will be rooting for him too. I just hope that he doesn't end up on the Padres because I think he deserves better than that dumpster fire. Um, uh, But in, in some ways too, the flip side of that coin is that I think management in some ways set him up to fail this year. I think there were so many aspects so many holes on this team that needed addressed that didn't get addressed that you know part of me wonders you know what was Joe Madden supposed to do with this I mean and even if you're mismanaging a bad bullpen it's still a bad bullpen that's the thing early in the season when literally everyone of the bullpen sucked and people were piling on him it was replace a trash bag with another trash bag at that point right right you couldn't win no matter what yeah, I mean, when when things go south, it's it's easy to say, oh my God, Joe, you made the wrong choice. When it, it just as easily could have been the case that if he had put in who you say he should have put in, things would have gone wrong. Just as I mean, that's the bottom line. It it was a it was a horrible dyslexic bullpen, and a dyslexic's the wrong word. I, schizophrenic is is what I'm trying to say, I guess. It, I just don't I just don't think he was in a position uh, to succeed. That was on the front office that I completely put on the front office and everyone this off season knew it was going to be a disaster. Everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, you you can make the case that he mismanaged the bullpen and I think he did at times, but I also just don't think he had much to work with either. No, he he really didn't. And yeah. And that's on the front office. So in that way, I feel bad for him because I think there were times where things went horribly wrong uh, and he was criticized for it, where there just wasn't much else he could do. 
I agree. I definitely agree. Sometimes I think he got beat up for the lineups a little too much uh, because it, you can nitpick all day where this guy could go, that guy could go. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was that I, whole thing. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, to be honest, I think, you know, a lot of people, they, their biggest complaint is how, is how he managed the bullpen. My biggest gripe with him was was lineup stuff. That was always my biggest issue, especially in the leadoff spot. And again, part of that's on the front office too. I think I, I've said for a long time after Dexter Fowler left that the Cubs really, they're a team that, that needs a bona fide leadoff guy, I think. Would you agree yeah, with that? They, yeah, they, they need someone solid in that position. I agree. And, and I, to be honest with you, I got really sick of Kyle Schwarber leading off all the time. Tony Kemp leading off was a head scratcher to me. Albert Almora Albert, Albert lead off is what yeah. really bothered me. Albert Almora leading off a lot also really bothered the heck out of me. I never understood it. I think it was trying too hard uh, to be quirky. That w- that's another thing, you know. Joe Madden's quirkiness that was a big draw initially when he first got to Chicago, but at some point that kind of wears off on you a little bit. Uh, I think there's a fine line between unconventional and dumb. Here's you know, the, yeah, here's the thing. This is this is the way I look at it. The quirks, the strategy, all that stuff when you first come in is going to work for a time. But look at the teams around him, particularly the Brewers, particularly Craig Council. They adjusted. They adapted. They figured out how to beat the Cubs. The way I see this whole Cubs situation and the rival teams around them, whether it's the Brewers, the Cardinals, or like the Dodgers or the Braves, is they adjusted around them and the Cubs have not. Everyone has caught up and passed the Cubs, whether it's strategy, whether it's building a team, whether it's the type of players you have, they have figured out how to beat the Cubs. They have moved past them. Yeah, you have to evolve a little bit. And I, I just think that, you know, there is a fine line between quirky and and illogical. And I think at times he veered too far into that direction of, of just making an illogical choice. I've always been a proponent of having mostly a set lineup. And, and I guess what I mean by that is you have guys like Contreras and Bryant and Rizzo mostly in the same spot in the order every single day. I never really have been a fan of moving guys around all the time. I think that kind of messes with their rhythm just a little bit. Uh, maybe that's overstated. Maybe that doesn't. It's not as impactful as I think. But I really, I think that makes a difference. And, and you saw that in 2016. You when they had a guy like Fowler, you saw guys like that were pretty much in the same spot every single day. And I think that makes a difference. I think you need to you need to find a spot for Bryant and Rizzo and keep them there from day one to the last day. That's my opinion on that matter. Well, I think one of the problems is if you're going to change up your lineups, play different guys every day, that also goes back to a front office slash player problem because the depth on this team was terrible. It really was. That's one of the reasons why they mm-hmm. aren't where they should be. The core had a good season. All The core guys had really good to great seasons. You had some good guys on the bench like Victor Caratini. You know, he did a very good job. Ian Happ was effective when he came up. Nico Horner came up. 
but you look at a lot of the holes. Edison Russell was ineffective. David Bodie had his ups and downs, but it's pretty clear that the league is adjusted to him. Daniel Descalso was a complete non-factor. Uh, you brought in Carlos Gonzalez, non-factor. Tony Kemp, he didn't do much. The depth just wasn't there. It wasn't there to support when they were playing in another spot. In 2016, top to bottom, the team contributed. Every person on, I mean, Tommy LaStella had a really nice season in 2016. You could, in 2016, you could plug in Tommy LaStella and they'd still win 8-2. to two. There's a big difference. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's another thing is, honestly, I don't know if people are critical enough of the front office. Like you say, think about all the moves they've made this year. How many of them actually worked out well? The only one I could think of really was Nicholas Castellanos. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a, a lot of the bullpen guys they got, disaster. Craig Kimbrell, disaster. Daniel Descalso, disaster. I mean, it, part of that's on the front office. Of course it is. I mean, is. how many... Obviously, they can't, they can't see into the future. They can't know what's going to happen exactly. But at some point, if they keep whiffing enough, you have to start wondering, what are you doing? And again, other teams have found ways to adapt and plug in guys like the Cubs have not been. Again, I'm going to go back to the Brewers. They got Mike, Mike Moustakis. He has Monty Grandal dirt cheap. They produced way more than most of the Cubs bench guys and cost less. Yeah. You know? And yeah, yeah. It's, I, I think you, you have to look at, you have to look at those things. I guess I think people are, are, I think the balance of criticism between Madden and the front office is, is, is wrong. I think people are, they're blaming Joe more than they should. And I think that the, the front office is kind of getting off scot-free here. It's, the not reality to, is- it's not to say that I don't believe in this front office and their ability to get things back on track, but I, I think we've kind of just missed the fact or gl- glossed over the fact that most of the moves they made this year were absolutely awful. Yeah. The reality is everyone deserves the blame. The coaching staff deserves some blame. The front office deserves some blame. And of course, the players on the field. It's it's a whole circle. I think the players on the field at times looked like they thought that, you know, the Brewers and the Cardinals, they'll they'll fall off eventually. We're the more talented team. It'll things will be fine. That's kind of the vibe that I got from them. That they mm-hmm. felt they never really needed to turn on the Jets and the intensity. That they just kind of thought they could coast to the end and everything would be all right. You had freaking Addison. Russell man saying he was glad he made an error so he could learn with it. I mean, come on. Everything Addison Russell said to the media has been wrong. Everything he says tells me he's completely tone deaf. I I cannot wait until we never see him again in a cub uniform. I, I really can't. I'm so over that guy. He should be playing somewhere else. The way the Cubs are using him right now just doesn't really make much sense to me. And you have Nico. You you have a nice dose of Nico Horner. He's he's going to yeah. have his growing pains. He's only twenty two, but he's shown you that he is going to be here for the future. Let's hope so. Let's here's hoping. Mm-hmm. Well, we're pretty much out of time. We, you know, we could cover a lot else, but we're going to do that next week. 
I think what we're going to do next week is we're going to dive in a little more into what maybe could be the next option as Cub manager. Who knows? Maybe we even find out by then. But we're going to talk about the future manager, hypothetical or set in stone next week. We're going to cover a lot of other maybe trade and free agent scenarios. Look, we got plenty of offseason to do this. It's just the wild card games right now. Mm -hmm. October, baby. October begins. You're on. You're on the A's. The A's. I'm, uh, I'm, A's bandwagon. Yeah, I'm on to. I'm on to October, man. Oakland Athletics all the way. For me, as long as it's not the Cardinals or the Dodgers, I really don't care who wins. I I just I I just have to say how glorious it was to watch the Brewers <laughs> completely blow it the way they did last night. I mean, you got to admit that's kind of funny. All the trash talking the Brewers have done, the fans have done. Oh, it's another watch the Brewers in the postseason, and for them to go out like that, off an error too. It's, it was it's a very Cub like loss. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I got to I got to admit too. I was I was pretty happy when it happened. And, Brewers, I mean, and and let's be honest, even beyond just the the divisional rivalry, the Brewers are kind of a boring team, and I didn't want to have to watch them deep into the postseason there's not really with Yelich gone there's not really anybody super fun or interesting on that team I didn't really want to watch Brandon Woodruff and Chase Anderson and like Brett Suter and Doug yes and Doug (laughs) my guy Doug yeah Low guys down in the postseason when guys with high profiles like Darvish, Hendricks, and Lester were all sitting at home. Much rather see Scherzer and Strasburg in the postseason. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Who wouldn't? I I just think it's it's pretty funny that the Nationals are here after Bryce Harper leaves. How poetic would it be if the Nationals won their first playoff series ever? without Bryce Harper. That's kind of why I'm rooting for them. You can't write a better story than that. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of for it too. The Phillies were so hyped. So hyped this year. Yeah, I didn't I'm proud to say I did not buy into that hype. Well, good call. I mean, that's a good division. Um and you know, if you want me to be honest, here's my take. I think Juan Soto is going to end up being a better player than Bryce Harper. I don't disagree with that. That kid is. I think. I, it, is it so crazy to say that Bryce Harper's a little overrated? I don't think so. I, I think he's a I very good I player, know. but I, 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 think I can't he's a disagree overrated. with you. Yeah, I think he's. I think that his repu, I think his reputation is kind of piggybacking off of his accomplishments four years ago. Yeah, I mean, he had that one insane year, but. In other years, he still put up 400 OBP, OPS way up there. I mean, yeah. he put up some nice pretty numbers, but I mean... If he's just going hit, to keep hitting 240, 250 every year, then are we really going to keep calling him a generational talent? That word gets tossed around too much. Generational talent. Way too much. You can't have four or five generational talents every year. That, that doesn't... That doesn't make sense. Generational talent is Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, and I generational think generational talent is, is Mike back. Trout. Yeah, I, I, there can only be one or two of those guys. If you get, right. you've got a whole bunch of guys you're calling generational talents, then you're just contradicting yourself. 
I mean, Bryce Harper's very, very good, but he, to me, he's nowhere near Mike Trout. I think Bryce Harper at one point looked like he was going to be Mike Trout-esque, but he hasn't been to this point. Yeah, Of course. I yeah. think people just keep resting on the, well, Bryce Harper will get back to being Mike Trout. Mike Trout. I can't even say it. My God. Mike Trout-esque. Yeah, well, I don't think that's going to happen with him or anyone else. The closest one that will come to that is either Bellinger or like a Soto. Yeah, we'll see. I get. I mean, I think the jury's still out on Bellinger a little bit too. I, let's see if he can do it for another couple years in a row. Yeah. Well, we are just about out of time, so I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to remind everybody that you can listen to this podcast, Climbing the Ivy, on iTunes.com. You can check out Cubby's Crib at Cubby'sCrib.com. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next week.